0: All right, so I'm Rob Salman right here at WCBN saying good night, everybody, and Go Blue. You are listening to your home for Michigan athletics, 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, located from the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini. He'll shoot, save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six ends remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead.
1: Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm
0: Jim Dwyer.
1: And, of course, we'd like to thank all Gray Matters listeners, as well as CBN listeners, uh, for contributing during the fundraiser. I thought it was pretty good. I've uh, enjoyed a lot of the programming the past week. I listen to CBN at weird hours. And unfortunately, miss uh, Sue Dice's show, because I'm usually fast asleep. But uh, <laughs> I do catch some of those 3 to 6 a.m. shifts, and I think we've got good programmers working around the clock this
0: year. Yeah, there's a good batch of DJs down here. And uh looks like, uh well, I don't have the fact figures in front of me, but I believe that the uh, grand total was somewhere very near 24,000 once a uh, few online pledges are dealt with. And uh, that's pretty good, considering the uh, relatively dire straits of uh, the local economy and Michigan's economy and, of course, the uh, situation nationally. So it's good to see that uh, so many listeners really do value and appreciate alternative media right here in the community.
1: And keep on keeping on. And I'm sure you can actually still pledge online if you... That's probably uh, true, yeah. ...so desire. so uh, Keep that in mind as an option. (laughs) It's always an option. Uh, Of course, options are one thing that we don't seem to have in Iraq, but uh, I don't know, we uh, sort of got away from some of our brain damage awards last week uh, in our uh, special uh, fundraiser show. So I'll just start out with one immediately. I noticed that the Fox News Network has decided to put Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter together in a sort of pseudo-comedy central uh, kind of deal. and uh, Wow. It's really bizarre. I mean, uh, these two characters, uh, and I'll just call them characters at this That's point. That's very
0: generous of you. <laughs> th-
1: there's nothing funny about what they're saying. They're just saying what they used to say, only now they're trying to say, this is comedy. <laughs> so to quote John Cleese from Monty Python, one of his famous skits, that is not funny, <laughs> that's of course the uh the joke skit where the
0: oh the funniest joke in the world, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, boy, that really boggles the mind, I mean, maybe somebody watched the the Stephen Colbert show or the Colbert report, and uh finally understood that oh i get it he's not really a right-wing you know neocon he's pretending to be one for ironical satirical purposes Mm -hmm. well hey we can be funny but really there are very few um truly humorous right-wing comedians i mean there have been historically a number of Right-wing musicians, uh, you know Johnny Ramone of the of the Ramones being one, uh, uh, but uh, very few truly humorous right-wing laugh getters. I mean, not intentionally going for laughs, that is right. So, and Ann Coulter, I still maintain she's an intellectual lightweight, and uh, you or I, I think, could uh, could debate Ann Coulter right off of a lectern.
1: Well, certainly uh, she. Plays loose with the facts. And, I mean, I didn't see the show. I heard a couple of clips. But, I mean, it sounded like their usual spiel. And I'm like, oh, since they're not popular anymore, apparently Fox's news ratings are going down, et cetera. Talk shows aren't doing quite as well. Um, And there's supposedly a liberal uh, phase uh, that we're entering into, which I don't don't even know if I agree with any of that analysis. (laughs) That remains
0: to be seen. So the Fox...
1: You know network decides well we'll dress this up as comedy and just let them talk the way they usually talk and call it comedy and it's like okay, but when do we take these people seriously
0: right yeah Fox News in general is a bit of a laughing stock I mean the uh, rapidity with which they go on the air with you know demonstrably false news um, is pathetic enough to uh certainly qualify as a kind of comedy um I'm going to issue a quick brain damage award here to the U.S. Mint, and this is kind of a pet peeve issue of mine that seems to come up every few years, and it has to do with the coinage and uh, money system in our country. I've argued for years the country could save millions of dollars by eliminating the paper dollar bill and kind of forcing the dollar coin. Uh, The coins are much more durable problem, of course, for retailers and business uh, people is that there are no drawer, cash register drawer configurations Mm -hmm. that will accommodate this unless you get rid of the paper dollar. Well, we've had the Susan B. Anthony dollar, which was poorly designed. Admittedly, it looked like a quarter. Just, you know, minutely bigger. Then, more recently, we had the Sacagawea dollar bill, which I thought, or dollar coin, which I thought was a marked improvement. It was a little bigger. Uh, And it was gold, so it stood yeah, stood out readily, uh, apparent to the eye, and it was nice to have some sort of you know, albeit token uh, representation of a native person of historic import on uh, a coin. Typically, it being the uh, the so called dead presidents of uh, so many references in the great blues songs, and uh, I thought, oh, great, the Sacagawea, cool, it's useful. Uh, but now, apparently, it's been scrapped, and there is to be a new dollar coin. I'm not sure if you've heard about this. Oh,
1: yeah. The, 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 it's The George honor. Washington thing. Well, it's
0: in honor of the, all the presidents. They're going to have a series of them. Yeah, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, it's going to change. Uh, see, new design changes every three months. And, of course, George Washington and... Uh, the first four presidents will be featured. The idea is that the changing design is an effort. I'm reading here from Martin Krutzinger's article. The Changing design is an effort to match the phenomenal success of the 50-state quarter program that has attracted more than 125 million collectors. Well, see, here's the thing. Um, the Mint is interested in the collectability of those state quarters because those coins are taken out of circulation and just people are holding on to them. Mm-hmm. So they consider it a success. From a merchandising standpoint, the U.S. Mint is not the Franklin Mint. The Franklin Mint makes novelty coins, historical plaques and replicas and so forth for collector purposes. This is supposed to be money which remains in circulation. And by the way, the people who collect the the state quarters are usually children who live in those states. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, how many people are going to be, you know getting as many copies of the Herbert Hoover or Richard Nixon quarter. Can't wait for it. When it should finally come out. By the time we get to the Nixon quarter. You owe me a quarter. Right. It'll be so far devalued that you'll be paying in for that. It's like postage due. Right. Uh, And, of course, the famous Nixon stamp, which, you know, you had to spit on uh, to, uh, you wouldn't want to bring your lip skulls to that. But I mean, here's the deal: the uh, the new quarter uh, celebrating the president's new dollar, new dollar. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm making the all too easy mistake. The new dollar coin which is, is the probably same, worth a quarter, but right, <laughs> it's the same shape, color, and material content as the Sacagawea coin. So why are we scrapping the Sacagawea coin? I don't understand it. Um, it's been very well received uh, by local merchants around here. And uh, Douglas Mudd, uh, an expert on monetary matters, observes that, I don't know of any country that has successfully introduced the equivalent of a dollar coin without getting rid of the corresponding paper unit. We need to get rid of the paper dollar. We need to get rid of the penny. We will still keep those cute little expressions like a penny saved, a penny earned, and a penny for your thoughts. And they're part of the language for good people, regardless of whether or not the coin still exists. But uh, in this... Uh, Era of cutbacks and penny pinching, uh, there's another one, and uh, savings uh, to be scraped from programs which really deserve full and proper funding, we could save a lot of money by eliminating those two somewhat archaic elements of our monetary system. Dollar coins are good, paper dollar is bad.
1: Well, yeah, and, and the advantage of the paper dollar just to defend it is as it's light and it fits in a male's wallet uh, and, of course, carrying lots of Coins is, is is cumbersome, but I use them all the time. I get them in the cab business. And interestingly, by the way, if you buy stamps in a uh, vending machine, they give you uh, coin, gold coins sure. in exchange. So you can collect your George Washington coins that way, if you wish. Go to the uh, post office and... I've got the Millard Fillmore dollar. Can't wait for that one to come out. But... Uh, yeah, they've, they've talked about it endlessly. The other thing that I don't understand in, about America's money is I've never quite understood the sort of aversion to the $2 bill. In Canada, right. they have a $2 coin as well. And if you think about all the things that you purchase that are $0.99 cents plus tax or whatever, you know, you're looking at, at the convenience of using $2 bills. But once again, they never put a space in the in the yeah. drawer for it. And uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, why not have a couple of $2 coins as well sure. and uh, promote the coins? I mean, the Susan B. Anthony coin was a fiasco, but that's an example of somebody with a uh, decent idea poorly executing Indeed. it. Indeed. And this is so typical of uh, of government, unfortunately, at times. And in fact, there's an amazing... <laughs> article in the uh one of the more recent Nation magazines about the FEMA trail- trailers down oh, in God, yeah. the Gulf Coast and it turns out of course that these are were designed basically for overnight use not permanent use and apparently they have formaldehyde leaching out of the woodwork and people are getting respiratory problems and because it's moist down there the uh, formaldehyde is even more uh um prodigious uh than the normal, and it's just typical. Uh, if the it,
0: storm didn't kill you, the FEMA trailers will. Yeah, well.
1: and, the, you know, when you read that the government spent, uh, what is it, $2.6 billion on these FEMA trail, trailers and then apparently ratcheted up some hapless company in Indiana to build uh, these trailers around the clock so that they could, I don't know, sit in Arkansas in these vacant lots, it's, it's just... No wonder the war in Iraq is such a fiasco. Uh when you when you have somebody that denounces the government as uh frequently as both Reagan and uh, George Bush the 2nd have done so often, uh you, you know, don't be surprised by the results. Always be suspicious of uh people who believe that you know, if government is uh is the problem, not the solution, they're going to prove that throughout their mm. tenure in office. Yep. Uh, I wanted to give out a brain damage award also to, um, well, in this particular case, it's just the Ann Arbor News. This is actually a good article. It's an Associated Press article about the rising um, defense spending that's occurring in the Middle East as a result of all the instability that's uh, sort of as a result of our invasion of Iraq. My quibble with this uh, article uh, is not the facts. The facts are great. Uh, They present the facts. They have two little charts showing defense spending and per capita uh, defense spending, and they list a variety of countries, including uh, Israel, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Syria, Qatar, uh, Iran, uh, the United Arab Emirates. And for good measure, they throw in the United States and Russia at the bottom of this uh, graph or chart. But what is fascinating is that they show the United States of America in uh, total 2005 spending uh, on uh, defense at $495 billion, and then Russia's listed at $58 billion, but the graph shows America spending less. <laughs> so if you don't read the graph wow. and you Get, and most people will probably just glance. A glance, and they won't get the the, the the true fact that in fact the United States is almost spending ten times what Russia spends uh in, in two thousand and five dollars on uh defense spending. They also even list the percentages, which is nice. Uh but I don't understand the <laughs> the graph involved. It's uh frightening. Uh, and of course the other Example of how this graph distorts things is they show Saudi Arabia at $25.4 billion. Very interesting that they are spending that much. But the graph, once again, is almost as big as the United States in its spending. So the appearance there, once again, is that somehow maybe the Saudis are spending as much on defense as America. Uh, It's this kind of misleading information and, uh, you know, I, I realize that if they'd put the uh, United States graph true to form, the you know, the, the line would have gone into the next page all the way through into the over into the next page, literally. And uh, this is unfortunate, but uh, I, I don't know how you remedy this. But uh, this is not a good, shall we say, graphic representation, unfortunately, of the real story. So we'll give them a, a brain damage award for Eh, Sort of uh, fudging uh, the true cost uh, uh, and total of American uh, defense spending.
0: Sloppy uh, graphics work. Well, uh, Condoleezza Rice is uh, jet-setting again. Oh, boy. I love uh, it when
1: she's a jet-setter because when she's back in America testifying before (laughs) Congress— she can be hideous uh, a couple of weeks ago she was denouncing uh, Hugo Chavez and i know that you're you're going to get onto something about the Mideast pe- right. peace process
0: but uh, that's the the chavez thing is worth noting
1: yeah i mean it's just uh, incredible an incredible howds by that the united states continues to try and claim that somehow chavez um as president of uh, venezuela is somehow illegitimate um this is a man that's won several elections these survived have, a coup attempt? Survived an American-backed coup attempt. Uh, an, a, a, I mean, a coup attempt, by the way, that when you read the sort of the gory details is almost comical. It, it could have been—was obviously uh, orchestrated by Donald Rumsfeld and the Pentagon, <laughs> uh, if not E. Howard Hunt and the old uh, boys <laughs> at the CIA, but—or uh, maybe even Monty Python, because that's uh, how ludicrous the whole thing was in terms of execution— but uh for for her to continue to denounce uh Chavez when clearly he's relatively popular in his country he's certainly not popular with the with the elites but all of the uh independent journalists that have documented the uh discernible progress that Venezuela has made on a variety of fronts you know regardless of what you think of Chavez i mean certainly he's got some some drawbacks in um, personality, whatever, but this is a man that is actually using the oil revenue that Venezuela has uh, utilized, uh, you know, that they derive from oil sales and, and redistributed to the people. He's also made some very generous offers uh, to the poor people of America regarding mm, heating uh, assistance during the winter. Yep. He offered uh, even during the Katrina hurricane uh, to uh, send aid and was turned down by uh, Brownie and the Bush administration. Although he
0: was taken up by, uh, I think, the city of Boston Yeah, and a couple of other cities. Brownie
1: was, uh, you know, patted on the back for doing a heck of a job by uh, President Bush. Um, But
0: uh, Condoleezza Rice just doesn't seem to get it. No, I mean, her area of expertise as a uh, security advisor or as an employee for a major oil concern was, of course, the former Soviet Union. Her qualifications to be secretary of state are somewhat questionable, but uh, her presence in the Middle East is simply nothing other than window dressing. There's very little uh, coming from the Bush administration in the way of realistic approaches to defusing uh, the single biggest, you know, even I think more uh, significant than the ongoing debacle in Iraq Um A reasonable resolution of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict would would certainly go a long way towards bringing peace to the entire region. Um, I want to read a few uh, brief paragraphs from an article by John Whitbeck um, about this language uh, because the pressure is on Hamas and Palestinians to recognize Israel or to recognize Israel's existence or to recognize Israel's right to exist. Now, these are three phrases or terms that you'll hear bandied about in the media and from politicians, and uh, I'll begin reading. These three verbal formulations have been used by the media, politicians, and even diplomats interchangeably as though they meant the same thing, but they do not. Recognizing Israel or any other state is a formal legal diplomatic act by a state with respect to another state. It is inappropriate, indeed nonsensical, to talk about a political party or movement, even one in a sovereign state, extending diplomatic recognition to a state. To talk of Hamas, quote, recognizing Israel, close quote, is simply sloppy, confusing, and deceptive shorthand for the real demand being made. Recognizing Israel's existence, quote unquote, is not a logical nonsense and appears uh, on first impression to involve a relatively straightforward acknowledgement of a fact of life like death and taxes. Yet there are serious practical problems with this formulation. What Israel, within what borders, is involved? The 55% of historical Palestine recommended for a Jewish state by the UN General Assembly in 1947, the 78% of historical Palestine occupied by Israel in 1948, and now viewed by most of the world as Israel or Israel proper, The 100% of historical Palestine occupied by Israel since June 1967 and shown as Israel on maps in Israeli schoolbooks. Israel has never defined its own borders since doing so would necessarily place limits on them. Still, if this were all that were being demanded of Hamas, it might be possible for it to acknowledge as a fact of life that a state of Israel exists today within some specified borders. Recognizing Israel's right to exist, quote-unquote, the actual demand, is is in an entirely different league, however. This formulation does not address diplomatic formalities or simple acceptance of present realities. It calls for a moral judgment. There is an enormous difference between recognizing Israel's existence and recognizing Israel's right to exist. From a Palestinian perspective, the difference is in the same league as the difference between asking a Jew to acknowledge that the Holocaust happened and asking him to acknowledge that it was right that the Holocaust happened. Um, this is something that uh, you'll see grossly oversimplified uh, in all of the discussions, certainly coming from Condoleezza Rice. And uh, it's unfortunate um, that the confusion is uh, so prevalent. Um, There's much at stake here because, of course, uh, one of the key concerns is the right of return. Uh, Palestinians will be asked to give up that right. So any refugees, exiles, uh, or those who have uh, moved off because of the uh, incredible hardships put upon them in uh, the Gaza Strip and West Bank will not be allowed to ever return to homes, you know, even though they can be documented, uh, you know, proved uh, to have owned property in what is now Israel, they're being asked to surrender that right. Whereas any, you know, Jew in the world born in Topeka, Kansas has a right of return to Israel. That seems a little strange, Um, but uh, this is the way the debate is being framed and it's a lose-lose situation for uh, Palestinians. Uh, And of course, the tension between uh, Hamas and Fatah is, of course, got to be very much to Israel's liking. And, of course, the word refugee, ironically, has popped
1: up uh, <clears throat> frequently in the in the news recently regarding Iraq refugees, because yeah, of all the people that are fleeing Iraq uh, due to, you know, both directly as a result of the beginning of the war and the continuing violence in Iraq. And, uh, you know, it's now widely reported that Iraq... Uh, has the second highest number of uh, internally displaced people and total refugees uh, globally. And this, of course, is one of the humanitarian disasters that uh, resulted from our invasion of Iraq um, not regarding uh, the consequences of our actions and continuing to sort of deny uh, that these are real problems uh, that, that need solving. Uh, of course, it's been reported recently that the United States is going to allow something like uh, a couple of hundred Iraqi, um, quote-unquote, refugees to uh, emigrate here to the United States, where um, I understand that they'll probably be living in the state of Michigan in the Dearborn area. Right. Um, once again, um, fairly disgraceful uh, action by our government regarding
0: this problem. Um, just not uh, realistic. Well, I've got the uh, March uh, 2007 Harpers uh, in my hands here, just arrived in the post today. Uh, from the index, three uh, very salient items. Chance that an Iraqi has fled his or her home since the beginning of the war, one in eight. Number of Iraqis who have been given refugee status in the United States since 2003, 764. The number of Iraqis who were given refugee status in the United States between 1999 and 2002, 8,051. So uh, I guess we're expecting uh, Jordan to uh, pick up the slack in the refugee status there.
1: Yeah, and of course, this relates to the poorest borders. destabilizing that country. Yeah, the the poorest borders in the region that somehow America thinks it can somehow magically shut down uh, with their new surge strategy, um, I've been reading a book uh, recently called Armed Madhouse by Greg uh, Palace. This book is brilliant uh, in its analysis. It talks about a variety of things, but in one of the more bizarre um, sort of, uh, shall we say, anecdotes regarding the war on terror uh, is this very incredible concept that was developed in um, as part of the uh, – and, and he talks about a variety of things, including the elections and how it wasn't so much that the votes were uh, – uh, you know, that the, there were problems with the machines, though that I think has been documented. But uh, he pretty much documents how voter votes were just deliberately thrown out, that, quote, vote, vote spoilage was really how Bush stole uh, – the 2004 election in a number of states. And he goes into the uh, ethnic uh, and racial background of the voters that had their votes spoiled. That's a tongue twister for me for some reason. Um, And it's fascinating. I mean, there's there's an actual map of the city of Cleveland showing which precincts African Americans are most likely to live in versus which precincts are most likely to have... Spoiled votes—it's uh-huh. fascinating stuff. Well, one of the uh, uh, one of the corporations that was involved uh, with this was was ChoicePoint, and I mentioned this. Maybe that's why I'm fouling up uh, uh, spoiled b- votes uh, in this uh, little thing. But it's it's this concept about Marines in a tube, and I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs because this is just absolutely mind-boggling. Palace writes: We know the cure. For the fear, and of course he's talking here about terrorism, is less liberty more weaponry. Choice Point will help dispose of our liberties cheap, but how can we defend ourselves? General Dynamics, Northrop Grumman and Lockheed Martin, have just what we need to stick in our nation's holster, the Virginia-class submarine. The Virginia-class U-boat was originally designed to hunt Soviet subs, the problem with the 1996 design is that the Soviet Union went out of business seven years earlier. Never mind. That didn't stop our triumvirate of corporate warriors. They've redesigned the Virginia class for the war on terror. Given that our enemies today are mostly guys carrying box gunners and stuffing TNT in the shoes, I was curious to see how these subasores would be helped in the post-Cold War theater of battle. Our BBC team called Northrop Grumman and asked their PR man to explain what's going on. Says the firm is, quote, reconfiguring it for a new type of war, the new military situation. We called during the invasion of Afghanistan. Afghanistan is landlocked. No matter, Iraq's on the horizon. If you look at the map, there's an itty-bitty beachfront near Basra. The weapons maker explained that you could ship You could use the ship to land commandos on the beach to seek out hiding places of the terrorists. I remember that the Israelis, who have a smaller defense budget than ours, land commandos uh, in canvas canoes. But I didn't want to quibble with Lockheed. It turns out that the uh, um, Lockheed Corporation and these other companies have... At $400 million per vessel, designed a torpedo that actually shoots nine Marines onto the beach.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, hop in, boys. (laughs) So
1: that's what's going on, folks. Uh, This is mind boggling, but this is your tax dollar at work uh, in Washington. And um, this is, of course, turned into a multi billion
0: dollar uh, project. as part of the war on terror. Well, of course, as we've observed before, it really constitutes something more like a transfer of wealth uh, from the taxpayers and the social net, such as it was, um, into the hands of uh, military contractors. And uh, for all of their uh, fancy designs, the helicopters seem to continue to go down on a regular basis. Maybe they're being shot down, Maybe not. We don't know. We're we're not usually told that they are. Uh, they just kind of go down. Uh, there was another one over the weekend.
1: Yeah, and there was All one also on in Afghanistan. Yeah, uh,
0: apparently that's
1: been linked to uh, bad weather. Uh, real quickly, by the way, I wanted to mention the sort of uh, surprising passing of Heather McAllister. You might have known her. She was sort of a a local activist uh, on a variety of political issues. We won't get into her political agenda. But I just wanted to mention that she's having a memorial service uh, at uh, 4,210 Trumbull on the 25th of February at 2 p.m. And they mentioned also that there are going to be services in New York, San Francisco, Boston, and Portland, Uh Oregon. She appeared down here frequently, well, occasionally on the closets are for clothes uh, show and used to be known as Safety Girl on community access television. And I saw her obituary in yesterday's uh, Ann Arbor News, and it mentions, by the way, that uh, Leonard Nimoy (laughs) uh, apparently filmed uh, their uh, Fat Bottom Review and Big Burlesque um, troupe uh, in action.
0: A dance Uh, troupe, yeah.
1: Dance troupe, so... uh, Go to, go to that if you knew Heather. I uh, knew her, uh, you know, peripherally and used to have uh, many lively political conversations with her, at, uh, mainly at punk shows back in the early 90s. Uh, but she was known as safety girl on uh, community access television and was certainly an activist uh, for many uh, legitimate causes, uh, both here in the Ann Arbor area and other cities, because she did pass away in Portland, Oregon, uh, they note well uh, uh a sad loss indeed, and yeah way too young uh, at the age of thirty eight so uh once again that's uh this uh the twenty fifth of uh, february at two p m at forty